Hey, this is Brent Jensen. You're listening to No Sleep Till Sudbury, the show where we talk about the music that makes your skin vibrate. And this week, I welcome someone very special to the show. His name is John McMurray, and John has a very incredible story to tell. He's been described by CTV as the man with no memory. At age 22, John was on a road trip with friends when a tire blew, and he was ejected from the vehicle, landing squarely on his head. It was uncertain if he were to survive, as he was in a coma for days, uh, and while he did mostly recover from the accident, John has no recollection of the first two decades of his life, and he has never regained the ability to distinguish people's faces. John, I want to thank you for coming in today. Your story is absolutely incredible. It's very inspiring. I saw the uh, the bit on W5 that CTV put on. For me, I'm inspired by this because of its musical bent. Uh, music played a very large role in you working your way back from this injury, didn't it? Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. It was the uh, the, the crutch or the life raft because mm-hmm. essentially it was the only thing that I knew. Right. Coming back to the earth, that was the one thing that I, I still had in my back pocket, so it was nice. And that fascinates me because you could almost say that music was like a bridge back to your previous life. Yeah. Couldn't you? Yeah. Yeah, yeah it was because it, it it could take me places too. Specific types of music would take me to, for example, new wave music. Mm-hmm. Uh, dismiss and stuff that takes me to school dances yeah. in early high school and so i can't remember anything except for the location of the dance okay and just a bunch of blurry people but mm-hmm. it, it will uh different music takes me to different places so it's do, do you have visual recollections if you hear you know a particular song can you remember what you were doing you know maybe the first time you heard the song not necessarily. It, it it will take me to specific locations, like mm-hmm. where I grew up. You know, if I hear a modern love, David Bowie, it takes me to Moore Park, mm, where okay. I grew up, and mm. then that's because that was part of my that life. And then again, new wave. You know, I think about the school dance and skateboarding, and that's kind of that was my scene at that point. And then later in high school would have been obviously hip hop was big then, but. Uh, you know, Sky Diggers and that Blue Rodeo and mm-hmm. that whole scene was coming up at mm-hmm. that point. So that was, I was onto that too. So that was, uh, you know, it will, it will take me, those songs will take me to that time. Yeah. It's not a clear vision of that time where there's no real details necessarily, except for like buildings and uh, buildings and the music. And that's about it. Mm-hmm. Like it's just, yeah, it's pretty much the music and, and locations. Yeah. But it's, I love it. Like it's the glass half full, right? Absolutely. I made lemonade. So yeah. I just, I think that I'm so happy that at least perspective wise, you know, I, I grew up, everyone did, but I grew up again in 95 in a hospital with roommates who had had a stroke and had been electrocuted and brought back to life. So, oh, wow. you know, and then the motorcycle accident guy that had a helmet, but never did it up. So, I mean, person who was electrocuted was actually like, the Dalai Lama of the of my room of four, okay. because he was he had such a positive attitude and he was always very uplifting and just very happy. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know he scoot away on his wheelchair and smiling, and it was just like it gave me a chance to kind of step back and realize that it's it's not an ideal situation, but it could be a lot worse. Always, mm-hmm. always, always, always. So. And that was the takeaway, I think, for me from after watching that special on TV that you did was 
the positivity that you displayed. You and you did say, you know, this could be a lot worse. Mm-hmm. I thought that was fantastic. Yeah. Well, you think? I mean, unfortunate that I had to go to that place mm-hmm. and to deal with like even currently uh, the repercussions of that accident. Mm-hmm. But it was nice because it it gave me well, it gave me a fresh start, mm-hmm. but it gave me a new outlook on life. You know, I think I was pretty happy before, but it just made me realize like, I'm so lucky, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Like when I leave here, will I find where my car is parked? That's hard to say, but Mm. probably, (laughs) you know, I took some pictures. So I was going to say, you have a little system that I (laughs) like. See, I got the system. So, so you, you retrace your steps through pictures. Yeah. So I just, I take a picture of where I like the, uh, the letter and number associated with where I parked. Mm. And then, uh, you know, as I back away from the entrance, take a picture of that. And then I just can look at the, oh, there's my entrance. Oh, yeah, A5. And then honk my horn to find my car. Yeah. Fascinating. Yeah. Wow. You have a great attitude, John. I thank you for coming in today. I appreciate it. Hey, anytime. So now you have got uh, five songs here. And these, if I'm not mistaken, are the main five songs Mm -hmm. that inspired you you know, maybe before the injury, but mostly after the injury to work your way back. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. So let's start with David Bowie and Space Oddity. I love this tune. Okay. So love David Bowie. Apparently always loved David Bowie. Yeah. And when I was a kid, I used to take pictures of David Bowie to the barber to get my hair cut like David Bowie. <laughs> which which I, era? I'm told. It was the modern love period. Ah, nice. You know, that kind of that that modern love hair with the... It was like a wavy 80s. Yeah. So I, I think, I mean, I obviously don't recall, but I'm told that, that I would take a picture of David Bowie to the barber with me and just say, I want that hair. Like, Wow. Yeah. So I have I was quite a big fan. I was hoping you weren't going to say the Ziggy Stardust era. <laughs> yeah. That, what a record though. Eh? Oh, for sure. It was like, great. Yeah. Like my but favorite. But not, not the hair. Not the hair. Yeah. Not, not the, the best hair, hair. Or the costume. But yeah. <laughs> no, it's that record's berserk though. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's great. That's, uh, that's good. But yeah, no, it's, and also with Bowie in the second life, in the sequel in Halifax in 95, um, in Space Oddity, as you know, mm-hmm. it's time to leave the capsule if you dare. Yeah. And that was me leaving the, uh, that would play in my head. I was leaving the hospital in Halifax mm. to go out on, you know, I would have a break between classes or when I got out on weekends yeah, and stuff like that. And it was like, I would be leaving the capsule. And then because the world was so foreign to me and I was sort of, you know, felt kind of semi-alien, everything was unusual to me that it, it, I was leaving the capsule. You literally were like Neil Armstrong walking on a brand new moon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Pretty much. Wow. Yeah. So that's, uh, you know, so the Bowie was, uh, you know, I left the capsule. You know, it turned out okay. Yeah. So definitely. I'm glad I left the capsule. I'm not sure what would have happened had I not left the capsule. I I think you have to, to push yourself forward to get ahead, right? Or to, Certainly to, do. to make progressions. So, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm, I'm glad I left. It was interesting. It was, it was pretty intense for me in Halifax because. I mean, we crashed in Quebec, but I'll never remember that. Mm-hmm. And my family will never forget. Mm-hmm. And uh, But Halifax was where my life started, and it was so intense. And Halifax is a city, but it's like a town city. It's I love it. But it was so fast, and 
you know, I would come out of the hospital and we'd go down like Spring Garden Road or one of the main roads and, you know, there's there's flashing lights and stores and sounds and people walking in all directions and having conversations. It's like, rah, 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 and all the lights and it was, it was pretty intense. Yeah. Yeah. That must have been. It was like a, it was like a Radiohead Pink Floyd <laughs> video. Yeah, I guess. For that whole time. Right? That stimulus. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it's not like you kind of had a ramp up point. It was just, it was like all the fireworks going off at the same time, really. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that was, that was a lot, but it was, um, you know, I've, I've gradually got a little used to it, more used to it. And Mm -hmm. so it got easier to leave the capsule. Yeah. Yeah. No, that was, that was a big song. And Bowie was big. Like he was big to me. Mm -hmm. And actually when his last record, uh, minus the video, which kind of scares my kids with the tail yes. on Bowie. But my two boys and I loved Black Star, and mm-hmm. you know it was a great record. And I was like, "This is what, this is what I grew up to. Yeah. This is this is his last record." And they're like, "Oh, yeah." Did they were they interested in you know going back and looking at the genealogy of David Bowie in that case? The kids? Mm-hmm. No, no. They maybe they're just humoring me, but <laughs> you know. Like some stuff they really get into, but they, um, I mean, at some point in the future, mm-hmm. I'm sure we'll go back to, uh, back to the beginning and, mm-hmm. and work our way through. Cause I think it'd be fascinating, but I think that it was just interesting because Bowie had died. He put it this last record, you know, the video was kind of a trip mm-hmm. and you know, they, they liked the song and they were, they were kind of into it. So it mm-hmm. was, a, it was a nice and the whole record was good, so it was a nice uh, sort of bonding experience. Absolutely, but I'll I'll keep that in mind for the future to take them back to the beginning. And depending on how old they are, it might be interesting for them to you know if they if there was something there initially that they were interested in, mm-hmm. bringing them back and starting them through. Because particularly with David Bowie, it's an interesting path, right? Yeah. Starting at folk, you know, and space oddity, and moving forward all the way through the the many phases of his career. Yeah, yeah, he was. Uh... Well, it was ch- 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 changes. Yeah, that's what the he did. Whole time. Yeah, yeah exactly. no, he was uh, he was incredible. You know, if I needed to pick Desert Island people, he would be he would be there. Mm-hmm. I think because yeah. he just he never stopped. Like we say, like he went out. On, I thought on a really high note. I think that's a great record. So yeah, I'm happy that it worked out that way because I was I was kind of nervous. Mm-hmm. I think I, I think they pre-released Black Star the song maybe. Or I don't know. I I knew one of the songs, or maybe I just started to listen to it, and I was happy with it, but I was kind of apprehensive, a little bit nervous. You mean a lot to me. Don't you know? Take yeah. it out on a high note, right? You're yes. you're David Bowie. You're not the average fella. So yeah. and and he did. So yeah, yeah. No, I was really happy with that. Me too. Next, you've got the Beastie Boys. Something's got to give. Beastie Boys mean also a ton to me. Mm-hmm. Coincidentally, um, growing up. I was I was like a child of the eighties and Me too. you know, my brother was uh one of my brothers was like a DJ and it was the beginning, the early days of hip hop. So apparently we would come to Toronto on a on a bus and go to the record store and get the new hip hop records and nice. bring them back and he had like two turntables and a mixing board and everything and you know, Beastie Boys were um I don't know, it's it's hard to describe them, really, because they were originally a punk rock band. Mm-hmm. And then they uh, became a hip hop band with like a couple punk rock songs, mm-hmm. but they just had such a nice, you know, 
hip hop was the new thing and it was kind of like the hip hop was like the next punk rock mm-hmm. i think right it was just you know a little underground and and then the beastie boys came out and uh they were just consistently good paul's boutique great record unbelievable yeah and that's that's early days then we go like you know check your head and they have an unbelievable catalog and oh, they yeah. just consistently they had like interesting lyrics and uh great musical uh you know scores and just music that they bring in and instruments and stuff and yeah they were just a big part of my growing up not so much my youth i think it would have gone like bowie was bowie was consistent always because mm-hmm. he was just always good but beastie boys would have been more uh high school yeah you know like i would we'd be skateboarding and beastie boys were they were the band it's very clever yeah. it's a very clever band i found well, lyrically. Yeah. And then, I mean, even early days, but it became more prominent. But MCA, the Beastie Boy Who Died, mm-hmm. was a very conscious, very conscious MC. Even on, I think, Paul's Boutique, he says, I, I need to say a little something that's long overdue. Disrespecting women, it's got to be through to all the mothers and the sisters in the house tonight. Like he's just saying, yeah, we got to get past this. Yeah. And that's for that time and being a hip-hop band that was pretty progressive yeah because when did that record come out like early 90s or late 80s no that, mm, it can't Paul's it was, boutique. It's, it was, it was on second Paul's boutique. Record. yeah yeah i think it would still be 80s i think it was it's like 89 or 90 yeah they took a long time to make that record because of all the sampling that they did yeah and the record company hated it they wanted oh, I bet. It, they wanted another license to ill well the, yeah but i mean and i mean that was what's great about the beastie boys is no thanks. We're going to move on mm-hmm. and appreciate your money and whatever you're doing for us. But we're the band. Yeah. We're the artists. So allow us to. Well, another example of that would be uh, Sloan. Yes. Smeared, twice removed. Like Smeared was, they wanted, I think the label wanted another Smeared because mm. it was kind of the grunge era. Mm-hmm. And twice removed is still like buckle up. That's an yeah. unbelievable record. It's a great record. Yeah. Yeah. So I, and then the label, I think, was mad at them. Because of Twice Removed. Hmm. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. So then they took their hiatus at, after that point because they didn't want to make another smear, I guess. So your next pick is Sloan, and I can feel it, from Twice Removed. Yeah. I think that came out around 94. Yeah. So so this one I I think of because of uh, the lyric in the, in the song, Happy Birthday to the Best Brother in the World. Hmm. So that would be me coming out of the coma, September 4th, 95. Hmm. Happy birthday, like my second birthday. Well, I'm not saying I'm the best brother in the world. Maybe <laughs> one of my other two brothers is a better brother than me, but I really like that. Just the sound of the song and the and the female-male harmonies. And yeah. I just thought it was, uh, I think it's just a great song. Also, when I was in Halifax was 1995. So that was the uh, Halifax pop explosion. Or like I was right in the middle of, I mean, I was in the hospital, but when I got out, I would go down to the Records on Wheels yep. on Spring Garden Road, Nice. pick out some records, but they had, um, you know, I lived in the middle of it. We got like Thrush Hermit, yep. which is Joel Plaskett, Sloan, Super Friends, and then Stinkin' Rich, which yep. is Rich Fry from CBC. Yep. And then a whole other myriad of hip hop bands like Underground, The Underground Dweller, Brother Man, Papa Grand. And I used to go down to the record store and buy cassette tapes. Okay. Of they would have like numbered cassette tapes that the people would make, and so it was oh. like a it was like a a boiling sort of underground hip hop scene in Halifax. Oh, really? In, which I was in the middle of 
in conjunction with the pop explosion, which was all those aforementioned bands. Right. So I was, it was like Disneyland of music. No kidding. Wow. Yeah. So in it was, 95. Yeah. So I, so I lucked into that. I mean, not the best circumstances, but <laughs> you know, it was, it was, it was a cool place to grow up. Yeah. That's where I grew up essentially in, in this, for this life. So, I mean, it was so cool to be right in the middle of that scene. And, you know, when you say growing up, it, it really must have felt as though you were birthed when you came out of your coma. Mm -hmm. You had to because you had to learn everything over again, really, didn't you? Yeah. Reading. Language. Everything. Walking. Yeah. I was in a wheelchair, so I wanted to walk again. That's so, so incredible. Yeah. And my my dad used to get a laugh that I tried to I tried to shave with my toothbrush. That was always a good one for him. You know, because it's funny retrospectively. Yeah, like I didn't have a sniff. I had no idea what wow. anything was for. Mm. I mean, I think I accelerated relatively quickly mm. through the, if we're doing in a school sense, like I started kind of JK. Yeah. And then I just barreled through, made my way to like junior high or whatever. Yeah. And yeah. then uh, kind of took it from there. But yeah, no, I didn't, I didn't know anything. I couldn't name a color. Really? Couldn't name a shape. Could sing along and like get all the nuances of every song I've ever heard mm -hmm. in the first twenty two years, but everything else was uh was temporarily unavailable and it never came back. So Jeez. Yeah. I'm still faking it. <laughs> <laughs> I love that you have a sense of humor. Yeah. That, that's fantastic. I just hope my wife doesn't catch on. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know that? Hopefully she's not listening. Yeah. <laughs> no, she's good. She's a treasure. <laughs> All right, your next song, John, is A Tribe Called Quest, and can I kick it? All right, so hip-hop again, being from when I was born and when I grew up, was mm -hmm. a big part of my uh, a big part of my youth. I mean, Tribe, there was a whole, the, the native tongues was uh, like De La Soul, uh, Tribe Called Quest, mm -hmm. Jungle Brothers, and that whole, that sound, kind of like the Daisy Age the inner sound yo and it was like they're yeah. like hippie hop like it was like just all about love and they weren't shooting people they were just getting along and yeah. being positive like positive rap so i thought tribe would be a good one to uh to bring in plus it's a lou reed that's right riff if you know walk on the wild side you know and they just had nice it was just a nice sound is amazing i think and then a life filled with fun that's what i love mm -hmm. come and spread your arms if you really need a hug like that's nice. such a nice thing to say and that's a good uh good attitude great song mm -hmm. tribe was a good was a good band when they were when they were around and i'll I'll tell you something interesting though about hip-hop after the accident i would go to my grandmother's place in the annapolis valley mm -hmm. annapolis royal and i think before i get into halifax after quebec mm -hmm. we had to go there for a little waiting period and my cousin duncan and i went through all my tapes and cds which had survived the crash oh yeah and so we went through them, and uh, I took every hip-hop record that I had. Mm -hmm. or, well, I mean CD. I just called them records. And put them in a plastic bag, okay. at, minus the Beastie Boys. I kept the Beastie Boys. But everything else, all my tribe, De La, and I just put it in a bag, and I just gave it to my cousin. I was like, That's, these aren't mine. I'm not, a, I'm not a rap guy. Really? I don't get this rap. What's this about? Without even listening to them. I don't even think I'd listen to them. I wonder why that happened. It's weird, yeah. But I just, I've totally disassociated myself with hip hop. I don't and, know why. And uh, yeah, I just thought, well, that's that's not for me. 
You know, I was more Rio Statics Radiohead guy. That's mm-hmm. that's my scene. I'm not a I'm not a hip hop guy. So I gave all the uh I gave him all my CDs, oh. which I repurchased later. Oh, he you know, didn't give them and back then to you? and then, well, no, he would have given them back to me, but he was in Nova Scotia. Oh, okay. I was in Ontario, and mm. you know, so I just had to. Uh, yeah, that was odd, but I just thought, like, no, I'm not a rap music guy. That's not my scene. I don't get it. Mm. And yet, Beastie Boys, I liked, and they were a hip hop band. But I just think I didn't even bother to listen to them. Wow. I just thought, is this is this rap? You know, is this Bismarcky? Is he rap? <laughs> get that garbage out of here so i don't know i don't know why it's not a big loss because i just bought him again yeah and he got some stuff out of it yeah you know yeah i'm sure he'd give him back if i wanted but yeah so that was an interesting kind of inexplicable Event. thing yeah, yeah i just don't understand why but uh no i mean it's it all worked out in the end absolutely yeah. yeah all right your last song john is rio statics and fan letter to michael jackson I think Rio Statics are one of the most underrated bands mm-hmm. ever, but that's a personal opinion. They have a really good new record, um, Here Come the Wolves. Mm-hmm. So I think it's meant. But anyways, this one, the ending and near the ending, it feels good to be alive is kind of the climax of the song. And it does feel good to be alive. Like that's a nice message and it, it correlates directly to me. And yes. so, I mean, that was one of my favorite bands before. It starts again back to hip hop with a little bit of scratching and stuff, mm-hmm. which is real statics are always good for mixing things up. Yeah. And uh, the climax is it feels good to be alive and it feels great to be alive. Mm-hmm. And real statics, coincidentally, when I was in university, my friend and I had a, a band and we got to play with the real statics at the Dalhousie campus bar called the Greywood. And apparently it was an amazing show. <laughs> I have the uh, poster from it that mm. they've autographed and stuff, but they uh, they were really good to let us on stage there. And then afterwards, after my accident, I don't know how he found out about it, but Dave Bedini found out about it and he started to mail me postcard from like as they were touring. That's such a great gesture. Oh, unbelievable. Yeah. You know, there's only a handful of those. So, and then he, he kept sending me postcards and... And uh, then when I was brave enough to go out and see live shows again, of course, I'm going to go see the Rio Statics. And they would have their fall nationals or winter nationals at the horseshoe or, you know, pick a night. They do, I think it was 11 nights or something. Yeah. I would go to those. And then afterwards, he'd come over and chat me up and, you know, see how things were. And then gradually, you know, we started talking and I actually saw him in Guelph at the Bookshelf Cafe when he was pitching his first book. Mm -hmm. He would always say to me, like, your story is mind-blowing you should write a book Mm -hmm. you should write your story it's right in front of you you just have to put it together and and i said oh yeah sure you know didn't (laughs) you know and then started to pick away a little bit and he said i will write the forward for your book if you write a book i'll write the forward that's fantastic and he's like maybe i'll have written more books by then and you know we'll see now he's a best-selling author yeah and he wrote it i've incredible forward for my book you know, he's always been really, really nice guy, really, you know, genuine, just a, just a good fella. Yes. So that was, um, that was nice. And Fan Letter to Michael Jackson is coincidentally a Bedini song, mm-hmm. but, uh, the climax, the ending is just, uh, it does feel good to be alive. You know, it's a, it's a great, um, way to feel and kind of outlook on life because it's all relative, right? Yeah. It's, it feels good to be alive because dot, 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 and then you can just fill in because I have my legs. 
and because I'm communicating with you because I can talk and I can hear you. Yeah. Right. I can also see you. So there's so much that we take for granted and we just have no idea until you get knocked out. You get to start out again in some pretty crazy scenes in the hospital. And then you realize like things aren't so bad. It's half full. We're good. You're right. You know, make the best of it. Right. It's an incredibly inspiring message. It really is. And it's a great lesson that people can definitely learn from. You have a great attitude. You have a great perspective, and I really admire that. Well, hopefully, uh, hopefully, some people will it will enlighten some people, and you know, I'm sure it has already. Just take a step back and and realize that it's it's not that bad. John, thank you so much for coming in today. I really appreciate it. Thank it was you great very much to meet for you. having me. Yeah, anytime. You're welcome back anytime. Well, I'll I'll be back soon. Good for you. Let me know. All right, man. All right. This has been No Sleep Till Sudbury with Brent Jensen. Very special guest, Mr. John McMurray. Till next time, folks. Take good care. Brent Jensen is the best-selling author of No Sleep Till Sudbury, Leftover People, and All My Favorite People Are Broken. All titles available in stores and on Amazon Worldwide.